Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good people. Ah, yeah, you know what it is. Hard worker, scrappy, unfiltered, and sometimes unhinged football content. Hard to explain, but you know it when you see it. Doing it daily, our way. I don't know what you're talking about right now. Redraft and Dynasty Fantasy Football, we got you covered. You know their defense is ranked like 31st in the NFL? NFL draft prospects and rookies? Now you know you're in the right place for that. Absolutely. All right, then stop saying it. Then we're done. And prop bets with my man Jay Rich. Count that money, man. Now wipe the crust out of your eyes. Get you a cup of coffee. It's time to wake your ass up with Ray G. You honestly are making absolutely no sense and you sound silly as hell. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good people. It is Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022, 2 2022, I, I just I just realized that. Jay, I don't think we'll ever have a, a 2-22-2022 again. Do you? I, I, don't, I don't think we'll ever Not have Not in uh, our lifetime, that's for sure. Yeah, man. that's uh, This is a monumental day. This is a historic day. This is Wake Up with Ray G presented by Prize Picks. Yes, if you missed the show last Thursday, Wake Up with Ray G, exclusive partners with prize picks for this upcoming fantasy football season. So if, uh, you know, hockey, we put some hockey games in, hockey bets in yesterday, did not end well. But NBA, college football, NBA is going down. Make sure you use that promo code WAKEUP for a 100% deposit match up to $100. I'm excited about this. Jay, how you doing this morning, baby? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, I was telling you before the show, it's been only four days since we've done a show, but it feels like it's been four weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. I still talk to you all the time, but we haven't done a show in so long. And obviously with the prize picks deal and everything kind of coming together, it's been a long weekend. It's been a busy weekend, but happy yeah. to actually be doing some shows finally. Um, All-Star weekend in the NBA was, how, what, what would you rate out of 10? I'd probably give it like four maybe a three out of ten so what would you rate the nba all-star weekend out of ten we're gonna talk about all-star weekend it was it was not good we're gonna talk about that (laughs) because there really isn't anything else to talk about um but for real though shout out to prospects this is dope and just for everybody out there watching the content does not change i mean we're still talking football 90 percent of the time but we jay and i both do enjoy the game of basketball you see i got the russell westbrook the snubbed russell westbrook college jersey on all 70 75th anniversary nba team averaging 18 8 and 8 this season uh but the content doesn't change we're still doing mocks we're still talking fantasy football we'll talk a little bit of nba prop bets but uh we're really excited about this and only helps us to continue to grow uh put more money into the show to make it better make it one of the best damn youtube produced shows um on the planet but to answer your question Um, All-Star Weekend was not good. Uh, It wasn't good from a betting perspective. It was just like pure random-ass guessing. Uh, The Celebrity Game was whack. The Slam Dunk Contest was whack. The All-Star Game was cool because at least you got to see the players. Um, But it was bad, man. It was was brutal. That was probably the worst dunk contest I've ever seen, and it's a lot of people saying they should switch the three-point contest and the dunk contest and make the three-point competition the highlight because it – I mean, it's hard to recreate. It, it's it's hard to reinvent the dunk every year. And then when you've got non-elite dunkers in there, um, it, it just made for, um, I kind of say, you, I, I've said this before, man. I, I'm not even going to use it today. You know where I was going with it. You know what I was about to say, the dunk, the, the comparison I was going to make. I, I'm not, I'm going to save that bit for later, but it wasn't good. What'd you think? 
Uh, it was terrible, honestly. Uh, <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It was one of the worst weekends I've ever seen in basketball. Even the All-Star game itself wasn't very good. Everyone's clowning me because I had to shave my beard. Okay, I have to address this really quickly. First of all, I want to give a shout-out to my man Isaiah in the chat. Who It's his birthday today. He mentioned in the chat. People wishing happy birthday. So happy birthday to you, Isaiah. But the beard, all right, this is what happened. So I was shaving my beard, cleaning it up, because I think I even mentioned to you, it was getting, getting pretty long, right? And so I start shaving it, and next thing you know, I kind of like messed it up. I'm like, okay, can I fix this? Mm. And I tried to fix it, couldn't fix mm. it, had to go. I hit, I couldn't come mm. on the show. Trust me, if I came on the show the way it was looking, it would have been a lot worse for me than it is right now. So it will come back. But yeah, definitely yeah. a little bit weird not having a beard. Yeah, you, you are the baby-faced assassin today for sure. And here's the thing. <laughs> Dana, I got to disagree with you. The last really great dunk contest was 2016. It was Zach Levine versus Aaron Gordon, which in my opinion was probably the best dunk contest I've ever seen in my lifetime, which was better than the Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady. I think it was Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, and was it not Mob Steve Francis? Was Francis in that one? I think it was McGrady, Vince know. Carter. I know you're too young to remember. I was I like was, eight when that happened. Yeah, I think it was Vince, Tracy McGrady for sure. And I believe Steve Francis was in that dunk contest. But I think what La Zach Levine did and Aaron Gordon did was probably the best, best dunk contest since probably Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins type stuff. Like the creativity, uh, using the mascot, that was hands down the best dunk contest yeah. I've seen in my lifetime. I think what Vince did was sort of uh, do some things that we hadn't seen in a while. And, you know, the high flyer, but there's no way. You you put Aaron Gordon or Zach Levine's dunks up against Vince Carter's, just go watch the 2016 dunk contest right now and tell me that uh, it, those dudes would have scored 50 every dunk. Like, every dunk that they did was superb. There should have been co-dunk champions at worst, but in my opinion, Aaron Gordon uh, should have won that slam dunk contest. It was it was insane. I'm, I'm with you, man. That... That 2016 one was the best one we've seen from a creativity. And these dudes were nailing it first dunk. Like, do you understand yep. having the the dude on the, the mascot on the hoverboard going in revolutions and then literally one one take, catch it off of there. Do, like, it was just insane shit. Like, I just get, I, I, I'm smiling thinking about it because it was super dope. All right. Anyway, hey, Shane Joe, appreciate you. Hey, where's the, where's the sounder? Where's the air horn for the uh, for the super chat, baby? We got to get the super chat. We got Shane Joe, $5, Jay. You're making money already on a Friday. Good shit, Jay Rich. But look, man, we got a prospect profile to tap in today. Uh, Drake London, Drizzy Drake London, big receiver. And um, I was listening to, uh, I saw on ESPN this morning that I believe it was McShay said that the Falcons at eight, uh, the New York Jets at 10, very intrigued. By one Drake London, the wide receiver out of USC. And you know, we got to walk you through the full story. Um, but it, there, there's no real news coming out of the NFL right now. Um, the combine is nine days away, I believe. And the NFL actually redid or revisited their COVID policies because some 150 athletes were going to opt out if they weren't allowed to have their personal coaches and trainers be able to join them at the combine, which is a big deal. I know a lot of people are like, maybe thinking like, what's the big fuss? I mean, these guys are training for this event, so not to have their trainer with them um, is a big disadvantage. So the NFL uh, expectedly, non-surprisingly, changed their COVID policies, and they're going to allow these athletes to have uh, the people that they've been training with sort of coach them up for these events because that's all it is. It's it's really uh, a technique 
a technique event, right? The 40-yard dash, a lot of it is technique. The, the three cone, the short shuttle, a lot of that is technique. The broad jump technique. Um, yes, you have to have, have to have the athletic ability to perform in said tasks, but a lot of it is technique, having that comfortability, the NFL loosening their COVID policy. I, at, at this point, I, I'm not here to debate the veracity of the virus. We know there is a, a, a virus. We know there are studies done that show different protection levels uh, based on vaccines, and we're not getting into any of that. But at this point, y'all loosened up the whole damn, no one had COVID during the NFL playoffs. What are we doing right now? Like, let them have their damn people. Let them participate at the combine and move on. Like, stop the bullshit, man. Like, let's let's get this over with. Let's do the Underwear Olympics. Let's have the 200-something the athletes compete and then be done with it. So I'm glad that we don't have to go through this drawn-out thing about the combine. And the NFL just said, screw it. Let's Let's let these guys do their thing. Uh, one of the players that I don't think is going to participate because he had a late season uh, fracture of his ankle is Drake London uh, out of USC. Phenomenal, phenomenal wide receiver. You know, um, one of the biggest wide receivers in this class listed at six foot five, 210 pounds. So even if he measures in an inch shorter, um, I think he's all at 200. And they showed him at the basketball game this past weekend at USC, and he looked just fine. I mean, walking just fine. He, he looked regular. He looked like he was a dude that was just, you know, 100%. Um, but he's probably all of 200-plus, right? And when you think about USC and the history of wide receiver that has come out of uh, Southern Cal, uh, you can go back to the Matt Leinart, Matt Leinart days when it was Mike Williams, and then you've got Marquise Lee, uh, Dwayne Jarrett, Superman Woods, that's what everybody from, you know, from California called him coming out of high school. Robert Woods, uh, just the, the talent. I'm in Ross St. Brown, Michael Pittman Jr., Juju Smith-Schuster. The, the list of USC wide receivers goes on and on and on. Every year, they're putting out, you know, first, second round talent in the NFL draft. And I've said this, and I don't say it lightly. I believe Drake London is the best wide receiver prospect to come out of USC since Marquise Lee. And a lot of people, y'all may not remember how damn good Marquise Lee was coming out of USC, second-round pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Looked like he was off to a promising start to his career, and then injuries sort of derailed that. We've seen Juju have success. We're watching Amon Ra have success. We're watching Michael Pittman Jr. have success. Robert Woods have success. The only one that really didn't come to fruition uh, out of USC in recent memory was Mike Williams and Dwayne Jarrett. And Dwayne Jarrett... I, I never really believed in him coming out of USC, but, you know, he produced early in his career. But everybody else, I mean, you even go back to a player, uh, you probably don't remember this player, Jay, but his name was Steve Smith, played for the New York Giants for a little bit. Steve Smith was a nice little wide receiver out of USC, Kerry Colbert. I am a USC fan, so I'm as critical of that team as anybody else. But Drake London, uh, in my opinion, he's the best prospect to come out of USC since Marquise Lee. We've seen him produced early. We've seen him produce with NFL talent surrounding him as a true freshman in his first game. I think he went out there and caught five passes in his very first collegiate game and has been involved in that offense ever since. But, you know, we got to walk through the story. We got to get who this player was before we could talk about where he could be. So let's go ahead and get into it right now and uh, talk about some, uh, some Drake London, man. Let's go. The 
The 2022 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles are presented by Prize Picks. All right, Jay. So let's uh, let's dive into who he was as a high school player, right? So Drake London, coming out of high school, was a four-star kid, the 35th ranked wide receiver in his class. Um, so wasn't wasn't highly touted. 113 receptions coming out of high school, 2,121 uh, 2, yards, and 23 receiving touchdowns. I mean, he was just. You go look at his high school highlights. He was a massive, massive wide receiver. Um, just bigger than everybody else out there, bigger, faster, stronger, was a dual sport athlete in high school. I mean, there are some some dunks out there that you see him doing 540s and, and between the legs windmills. I mean, just a phenomenal high school athlete. And we saw that carry over to his time at University of Southern California. So he goes into USC, Jay. And I don't know if you know this, but Drake London was a member of the USC basketball team up until the 2020 season where he decided to focus full-time on football, leaving basketball behind, saying that I know my future lies in football and I'm going to give uh, my dedicated uh, focus, 100% focus to the game of football. And that really paid off for him. But if you go back to high school, productive high school football player, four-star recruit, and he was a highly touted basketball recruit. And if you've got the ability to play dual sports in college, in a power five, you know, in a power five conference, that shows you just the athletic prowess that you have. And Drake London 100% has that ability. So just thinking about what he can do. And you know we love those those wide receivers with the basketball background because it's positioning, right? And I think the reason why so many people have the, the concerns that they have about Drake London are mainly, oh, he's a contested catch wide receiver, which I've got some data that will refute that. And a lot of the comparisons I'm hearing, oh, he's he's in the kill Harry, or he reminds me of J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Again, I've got some data that we'll get into here shortly to refute those narratives. But when you've got that basketball background, especially at wide receiver, when you've got somebody sort of playing behind you, playing on your hip, that's what we as defensive backs do. We want to stay on the hip. Just innately, you've got the, the presence of mind, the awareness, the wherewithal, to position your body to, to kind of block out those defenders. And you see London do that, which is why I'm so confident that he's not only going to be a successful NFL wide receiver, he's probably going to be the best red zone threat for an NFL team. And we talked about earlier in the show, the Atlanta Falcons and the New York Jets looking at getting a player like Drake London. You know, you put Drake London with Kyle Pitts, that's just a red zone problem waiting to happen with those two big athletic freaks. Uh, Drake London is outstanding. When we look at his advanced analytics over there in the Prospect Talk database, patreon.com forward slash prospect talk. Shout out to Jordan Backus for putting these together for all of our prospects. You see uh, that year two production, right? So year one, 39 receptions, 567 yards, five touchdowns while sharing a field with Tyler Vons, with Amon Ross St. Brown, and with Michael Pittman. Understand how impressive that is as a true freshman to come out there with two starting caliber NFL wide receivers in his true freshman season and be pretty freaking productive early in his career. Year two, that's that's when it clicked, right? And I know the reception total dip, 33 receptions, 502 yards, three touchdowns. Remember, 2020 was that COVID-shortened season, so I believe USC played, the Pac-12 played six games in 2020. Jay, can you go check that for me real quick? Um, I, I believe they played six or seven games in 2020. It was not much, and still, in those limited games, he almost, I mean, you extrapolate that out for the full season, It's and I don't want to do that, and I, I don't know how to do that, but just common sense, if they only played five or six games, and he had 33 for 502 and six three. Games. Six games. Yeah, six games. In six games, he had 33 receptions, 502 and three, which is just 
insane. And I just have to make sure that is clear because a lot of people forget that that 2020 season was shortened for certain conferences. Some conferences like the SEC said we're playing as many as we can play. The Pac-12, they opted out and then ended up opting back in. So in six games, um, ridiculous production. And then we saw as the man in his final season in year three at USC, in eight games, he had 88 receptions, almost 1,100 yards, and seven touchdowns, dominating the reception share, dominating, you know, the dominator rating was insane, yards per team pass attempt, 2.17, pretty damn good for Drake London in eight games. He won Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year in eight games. He was on a ridiculous pace to shatter NCAA reception records. Uh, he, he was just going to be... Uh, an absolute monster, Jay. When when you look at his profile and you look at the high school production, you look at what he did out of USC, um, surrounded by NFL talent. Just your thoughts based on the data with Drake London. Um, so one thing I wanted to point out because you were talking about a little bit with his size is that he actually was listed at six four two hundred coming out of high school, listed at six five two ten now at USC. So. He should fall right in that range, right? To see a player who was listed around the same as they were in college and in high school, we know approximately what he's going to be. Talking about these stats in particular, his freshman season, he actually only played eight games, and I saw someone in the chat asking about his injury history. Um, we know Jeff was talking about he, – he does our little injury reports in the Prospect Talk database. And so it's really just the ankle injury in his freshman year. He had an unspecified injury. I'm not sure exactly what that means. But the data about Drake London, the crazy thing is that all those numbers you were giving us were in his eight-game sample. They aren't actually extrapolated yeah. over the course of his eight-game sample. So his reception share was actually 40% over those eight games. His yards per team pass attempt were 3.26 over those eight games. His dominated rating was 42%, both weighted and regular 50%, 50% for the touchdown. So the production is at an extremely high level. You know, we want them to hit 20%, 30% in dominated rating. And I believe 30% right. is actually the elite threshold. He was hitting 40% of his yeah. team of his team's yards and touchdowns. When you look at the game logs, dude was just going ballistic every single game. Um, Drake London, just production monster overall. And we'll see what he does in the NFL. But honestly, I'm excited to see what he can be because those reports talking about from McShay make a ton of sense. He's talking about him being the top receiver off the board. And I could totally see it with the type of production that we saw from him this season. Yeah, and Jordan Backus, who runs our database, says the fact that he had 30% plus dominator rating as a freshman while only playing eight games of USC's 12 is all you need to see. I mean, he was that dude. And Jay, we got to get you, your, uh, your thing is kind of fuzzy, so we're going we're gonna to pull you off. But absolutely uh, outstanding production. Now, check this out, because a lot of people think that he's just a contested catch wide receiver, right? And, uh, and I've got to give shout out to at P-E-D-E-R-K-B-S on Twitter, who actually ran the data about his contested catch percentages and comparing Drake London and Nikhil Harry. So uh, here, here goes the tweet, right? Um, so he looked at these numbers, right? He looked at all these numbers, and basically um, he removed targets um, under 10 yards to account for screens and all this stuff. But Drake London had a contested catch percentage 20% lower than Nikhil Harry and was also lower than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside by 10%. So when, when you're looking at, like, is he just a contested catch guy? Um, absolutely not. And we're going to dive into the film right now and take a look at that because I think – 
when you really dive into the tape and look at what he did well at USC, it kind of shows you um, why he is not just this contested catch wide receiver. So here I go. I'm down here at the bottom. Let's make myself a little bit smaller because it's wide receivers. And just fun fact out there, if anybody is trying to look at scout analyze wide receivers you must have all 22 because you don't get to see the aerial view you don't get to see coverages and all this stuff um from the uh from the broadcast view you just don't see it so let's take a look at drake london and kind of talk through it here he is inside number three set uh in the slot uh, in 2018 i'm at 2019 there we go drake london catches a little screw a uh, little short route and then the ability there you go, making plays after the catch, right? So we're about to just refute all of this contested uh, contested catch narrative right here, a little five-yard out, the speed, and then get upfield. And one thing we're going to notice throughout all the Drake London tape is how good he is after the catch. Here he is at the top of the screen, nice, nice corner route, and then again, yak, yards after the catch. Look at this. I mean, this is, this is what makes me very excited. You hear the comparisons to a Mike Evans, to a Brandon Marshall. There's the route, the quick, you see that quick stop right there? You see this, boom, there goes the out route, the corner, stop on a dime, and then get upfield. This is what you want to see, big yak monsters. I've got a type, and Drake London fits it. Here we go, quick out route, and then produce after the catch. Bulldozing people after the catch. One more time, out route, catch it. And then there we go. We're getting upfield with Drake London. We're moving the ball upfield. We have yet to see a contested catch. We, we have yet to see it. Here we go. Get it to him quickly. Now you, big six foot four, 210-pound wide receiver, make people miss after the catch. This is what we like. No contested catches yet. There we go. Stop on a dime. Get upfield. Make people miss. Fall forward. Here we go. Inside, number three wide receiver set, top bottom of the screen. There we go. Now let's go. Now let's go, big boy. Now let's go, big boy. And there he goes. That's, that's what we want right there. I see somebody say Drake needs to improve his release and separation. Uh, we will talk about this. Let me favorite this because uh, we're going to talk about that. Right here, over the middle, boom. Bulldozing over you, balance. I'm running through you, running over you. Everybody talking about this contested catch rates. I just told you about the contested catch rates. They're not as high as everyone keeps saying they are. Like, stop just basing it off of YouTube highlights. We have yet to see a contested catch in any of these plays. Here we go. Boom. Break it up field. Yes, yes, yes. Let's go, let's go, let's go. We're just watching him. Here he is in the slot, right? Here he is in the slot. Get out. Can you make somebody in, in, the, in, the, in the ability, right? Soon as he catches it, he's looking to turn the ball upfield. He's looking, boom, let's go. Yak, right? The first defender never brings him down. Ever. Ever. And then this is the this is just the sickest of sick, right? Across the middle. Let's get it. You're gone. Nope. You can't tackle me. Poor tackling. I'm too big. Uh piss down your legs. The moment's too big. There goes Drake London for the touchdown there. Another one. You want to see one? I mean, is that contested catch or is that just catch radius? That's just catch radius. That's not even it's not even contested catch, right? Here we go. Here he is in the slot versus Oregon. What I like about this is the is the ability to focus on the ball. He's got two defenders. Settle down in the zone, zone coverage, settle down, catch that, and then get upfield again. You know, not worrying about getting hit, not worrying about defenders in his face. 
yeah, I, I'm with you, man. We're, we're going to address a lot of stuff once we get through watching all the non-contested catches Drake London makes. There we go. Just beautiful little shake right in the middle of the field. Look at this right here. Lull him to sleep. Shake. That's a hell of a grab. That's a hell of a route and a hell of a grab. Here we go. Shake. Look at that. Protect yourself. Get upfield. Bottom of the screen. Settle down in the zone. Sit down. Get it. And let's go. You can't tackle me. You can't tackle me. And then I'm just going to drag half the defense and they're just going to have to blow the whistle because I'm too big. Once again, zone defense run by Oregon. Drake London, sit down in the middle of the field. Good stuff. Make yourself available and then get upfield and then you can't touch me. You can't tackle me. So we're looking at all these plays from Drake London not being a contested catch wide receiver, right? Now, he can do that. That is part of his arsenal, and he's very good in that department. As evidenced by PFF, he had 19 contested catches in 2021, which was first in college football. Part of his arsenal, right? Part of his arsenal. God, there's so many comments I just cannot wait to address because these are things that I continue to see, and we just need to talk through them. So he had 88 receptions this year. 19 of them were contested catches. 19 of his 88 were contested catches, not 80 of them, not 70, not 50, not 40, not 30. 19 of 88 were contested catches. And what the hell do you expect when you're six foot four, six foot five, 210 pounds, and you can just put it up in the air and go get it? So let's just address this one real quick. I saw my man, Legendary Steez, say Drake needs to improve his release and separation. Can't moss the NFL like you did in college. Contested rates show me that this dude needs to improve his route running. Whew, I appreciate you being a subscriber. I appreciate you tapping in. So I'm going to try to be very, very mild when I address this. First of all, route running and separation are not one and the same. The two are not mutually exclusive. The, I don't care how good your route running looks. Aesthetically pleasing route runners like a Jerry Judy that has, I, I could care, I could not care any less about route running. I've addressed this multiple times. There are three phases in a wide receiver route in which you can create separation. One, off the line of scrimmage. Two, inside the route. And three, at the point of the catch. How many times have we seen a Kansas City Chiefs cornerback all over Jamar Chase? It looks like he's got him locked up. And at the last second, the wide receiver creates separation using his body, using his physicality, using his size to catch the ball. You do not have to dust defensive backs off the line of scrimmage in order to create separation. That is one of the biggest myths out there in the fantasy, mostly in the fantasy football space, because if you're talking to NFL evaluators, they understand this, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to, to, to go hard here, but there are multiple ways in which a wide receiver can win and create separation, and that has nothing to do with how the route looks. You listen to other NFL wide receivers talk about creating that space at the catch point, at the line of scrimmage, or mid-route. Drake London's ability to create separation at the catch point and off the line of scrimmage is unique, is talented. He is proficient in that category. And unless you've told me you've gone through the eye in the sky, the A2-2 tape, and you're like, I don't see it based on the All-22, well, then we'll just agree to disagree. But based on... Uh, Justin Bomb Productions that you go look at on YouTube, it's it's the biggest 
it, it, there are so many ways to create separation in a route. I, I, I could care less how the route running looks. As long as you can separate at one of three phases inside your route, I do not care. Um, and, and I'm with you right here. The myth that he only produces off of contested catches, 19 of 88 are contested catches. So I don't really think we need to to dive into that much more. Joe, what's up, my girl? I haven't seen any DB press. Lots of off-coverage catches. Another one. Everybody thinks that in the NFL, these cornerbacks run press man. Like, wh- wh- where are we? Where do you think? Wh- where's that data coming from? There are very few cornerbacks in the NFL today that are going to line up one-on-one and jam from the start of the game to the end of the game. Even the great Jalen Ramsey doesn't go out there. and do- The last cornerback that was out there press manning folks from start to finish was Darrell Revis. And I'm just here to tell you there is no cornerback in the NFL today like Darrell Revis. So this notion that you've got to be able to defeat man press coverage. We said the same thing about Devontae Smith last year. The same thing. Will this 165-pound receiver be able to defeat press coverage? You can't You can't touch what you can't hit. It, it's, it's irrelevant. It's, it, defensive schemes are not putting these cornerbacks on an island out to dry. It does not happen at the frequency and the rate in which a lot of people think that happens. When you're playing inside three wide receiver, when you're playing the third wide receiver in a trips formation, there is no cornerback in the NFL that is going to press that. A, you're off the line of scrimmage, so you can't press, right? There's already five to six yards of separation at the start of the route. Like, that's scheming your offensive weapon to put him in a position to dictate the defense playing in the gray area. Eric Crocker talks about that all the time. Uh, Traylon Burks doesn't get pressed. If you think that they're going to go to the NFL and face press man coverage from eight from from start of the game to the end of the game, it's it, the, those are short short durations of an NFL game in which these wide receivers actually face press man, and that's assuming that the cornerback doing the pressing is even good at it, right? Traverius Ward, whatever his name is, thirty five, probably had no business pressing Jamar Chase from the start of the game or trying to press him at any point, and when he did. He got annihilated down the field because he's so good. Jamar Chase literally is probably the best late separator in the NFL today. I mean, there are so many times it looks like he's completely locked up, phased out of the phased out of the route, and then at the last second he creates the separation. So I, I just I, I I had to address these things at this moment of time because I've talked about it so much. Like it, it, the data shows he can te- he is a contested catch person less than Nikhil Harry, less than J.J. Ortega Whiteside. I just, just my diatribe on, on all of that. But when I'm looking at what he did well, I'm focusing on what this per player did well, given the opportunity that he provided. Press coverage, off coverage, I don't give a shit. In 2021, every defensive coordinator knew number 15 was going to get the ball. And they tried everything from press to bracket to double Shade coverage over top with a safety and a linebacker underneath, and they could not stop him. From Notre Dame to Colorado to Stanford to Arizona, they could not stop him. And that type of dominance, that type of dominator rating, 88 receptions over almost 1,100 yards in eight games, lets me know everything I need to know about Drake London and the fact that he produced 
with Amon Ross St. Brown, with Tyler Vaughns, with Michael Pittman as a true freshman in a P5 conference, it, all you can bet on is the opportunity. And the reality is Drake London's going to be a first-round pick. Regardless if he tests or not, he's going to be a first-round pick, and the likelihood of him being the first wide receiver off the board is a hell of a lot higher than him being the fifth wide receiver off of the board. So if you're concerned that he didn't see a ton of press, if you're concerned that the route running doesn't look as good, fade. And I think you will regret that decision massively um, come rookie drafts. He's an incredible wide receiver with early production. The data backs it up. The tape backs it up. Drake London is my one of the top wide receivers that I've graded out in this class. I think he's an excellent wide receiver, and he reminds me, you know, I said for a while, he reminded me like of Mike Evans, but his ability to command the ball um, in all three quadrants of the game, right? We see him catch short area routes. We see him work the intermediate quadrant of the field. And then we see him go over the top of defenses and make plays down the field. So all three phases at the wide receiver position, he reminds me more of Brandon Marshall, Jay. If I were going to make an NFL play style comparison, and uh, this doesn't mean that I'm saying he's going to turn into B. Marsh, but if I'm going to make an NFL play style comparison for Drake London, it's a little more Brandon Marshall than Mike Evans, in my opinion. But I mean, eight straight seasons or seven straight seasons over a thousand yards from Mike Evans. I'm not going to argue that one either. I, I just based on what I, you could disagree. I'm not here to convince you. I'm just here to share the information and then you do with it what you will, right? You don't like him. You think he's too big. He needs to improve his route running. Here's the thing. It's never going to look as good as Jerry Judy, ever. He's six foot four, 210 pounds. Like, Calvin Johnson's route running didn't look like Jerry Judy. It didn't look like Andrew Hawkins. It doesn't look like Keenan Allen. They're just bigger people, so it's not going to, it's not going to look as aesthetically pleasing. But as long as you can separate in one of three phases in the route— I don't care, man. I just, I focus on the details that matter. And the details that matter are, can you create separation at the catch point or you create the separation off the line of scrimmage to give your quarterback a chance? And I think Drake London can do both of those things. Yeah, so Ray, I, I think this is an interesting conversation between you and I because as for people who don't know, Ray and I have two very different archetypes for wide receivers. And it's very rarely we agree because of that. You like the big body guys that can go and get the ball. I'm more so like the technicians, right? Deontay Johnson, Calvin Ridley. People who know me know the receivers I like. One of them I did talk about last season was Elijah Moore and seems to be working out pretty good if you draft him in rookie draft. But Drake London, I think, is a great combination of a player who can both go up and get a ball and as well can run intermediate routes. I like the comparison to Mike Evans, but what I would say about that comparison is he reminds me more of Mike Evans today than Mike Evans, the prospect out of Texas A&M. Because the way that Mike Evans started to win later in his career when he got better as a route runner, that's the kind of guy we see Drake London be now. And so not to say that he's going to be as good as Mike Evans out of college, but what I have seen is a player who can do it in all three areas. And when you take a player like Drake London and you kind of assume he's going to be a deep threat, kind of the way Michael Pittman was used at USC, now you see the way USC had to use him because they didn't have anybody else to get the ball to. They couldn't rely on Gary Bryant Jr. They had no running game. They had to get the ball to to uh, Drake London. And so they use him in the short intermediate passing game. And that's when his game really exploded. And I saw someone ask in the comments, do you think not going to the combine will hurt him? Part of me thinks just a little bit, because I think if he could have yeah, shown dude. his ability next to all of these top prospects, it would have, it would have really separated him from an athletic standpoint, from a size standpoint. But when we, you already hear him going in the first round, pretty much locked and loaded, potentially the first round, first pick, 
as a wide receiver, I don't think he really needs to show much more than that. That proves that people aren't that worried. And people who don't understand, when you break an ankle, you have to just wait for it to heal. And then from there, it's just a confidence issue. It's There's no fear of it being you know, aggravated or things like that. 90% of the time you break an ankle, once it's healed, it's more the confidence and your ability to know that it's not going to break again. It's not fragile. And so he seems to wait his time, ankle needs to heal, and he'll be good to go. So this is, I, I've got a legend, my man, this, this is what I love, right? Legendary Steez. It's not about proving you wrong. Like I promise you, man, it's not, a, I just want to give you the information. It's my opinion, right? It's one person's opinion. There are thousands of draft analysts out here. This is why I respect the people that's happened to the show. This is why I respect you so much because you had a viewpoint. We kind of talked through it, right? Well, I talked through it. You know, I, we don't get to, I don't get to interact with you outside of the comments, but it ain't about proving anybody wrong. It's not about you listen to me. I'm right. You're wrong. It's not about that. I just want to, to clear up any misconception about like what it means, right? Like what that separation and stuff looks like. And Joe made a comment that route running can be learned. It is something that can be trained, right? And you can work on your ability to, to better position your body inside the routes, right? Some things are just, they're innate though, right? And Creating that separate and, and 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 I use this example, and we're not gonna we're not gonna argue whether it was a penalty or not. But in the Super Bowl, T. Higgins, Jalen Ramsey was all over T. Higgins on that seventy-five yard touchdown run. But what T. did, subtle veteran move, he created some separation late to go get that. You know what I'm saying? Like Ramsey was in his hip, he was in his hip pocket the whole route through entire phase. He was in his hip pocket. And the last second, boom, T. Higgins makes that, that little move, throws him down. He face masked the shit out of him, but he created the separation late to go get the ball. When a quarterback has trust that a wide receiver can do that, Des Bryant wasn't routing anybody up in Dallas. Nobody. But what he was so good at, yes, he was he was so good at the contested catch ability, right? Pinpointing the ball, locating it in the air. But Des Bryant was also really good at creating late separation. And it's so funny because I remember tweeting out, yes, I see issues in Jamar Chase's tape where defensive backs are all over him, but I wasn't as concerned because of how he plays. How, he's a bully. He's a six foot, 200 pound bully. There's so many times, I mean, Chase is throwing Marlon Humphrey down on the ground, making him look like a scrub, right? And Jamar Chase himself even said, I modeled my game, not after Randy Moss, not after T.O., not after J. After Des Bryant, this was Jamar Chase talking about his play style was like Des Bryant. So to your point, no, the routes don't look as as polished. They don't look as I just use the word as aesthetically pleasing as some other receivers in this class, a la a Garrett Wilson. So you turn on his tape and he's a separation specialist right off the line of scrimmage, like completely different type of wide receiver. Off the line of scrimmage, Drake London is creating that separation, right? Which may lead to him getting more slants, may lead to him um, getting the ball earlier in phase of his route. But Drake London can separate, and he doesn't in all three quadrants. So I just want to say shout out to you, my, my guy, because for us to be able to have that kind of conversation to kind of talk through it on here, that's what it's all about, man. Um, and Jay, to your point... Uh, Mike Evans, Brandon Marshall, e- either way, I think he's in good company. Um, and USC yeah. does have a history of of producing really good wide receivers. We've yet to see an elite USC wideout, right? And I'm not trying to do the the scout the name on the helmet type thing. I'm just 
going through the list of guys from Kerry Colbert to Steve Smith to Juju to Amon Ra to Pittman to, to all these guys. Very good receivers. We haven't seen an elite one yet. So can Drake London do it? I believe so, man. PFF, uh, their highest graded receivers in a season from a Pac-12 wide receiver since 2014. Top two guys, uh, Nelson Aguilar at two and Drake London in 2021 at 91.8. And I, I forgot about Aguilar. Coming out, Aguilar, another beast coming out of USC, right? So we've had a lot of good receivers come out of SC. I think Drake London is the best one of them all. And uh, Legendary Steve's, I just want to say I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate the feedback. Um, he, he's, he's awesome, man. He, he's an awesome, awesome wide receiver, and I have him ranked really, really high. Where did USC use him the most, slot or outside? Early in his career, 2020 and 20, 2019 and 2020, he played in the slot a lot. 2021, he played the X. He was outside, wide. He was the only guy they had, and he was able to uh, go 88 for 1,100 yards in 2020. Jay, did I miss anything in the comments? I think landing spot, um, he's going to be a first-round pick. Do I think the combine's going to hurt him? Yep. Maybe a little bit, right? Um just a little bit. Just a, a little bit. Maybe, I I think that maybe, if he was able to maybe. show out next to Garrett Wilson, next to Traylon Burks, like I think it could do him some good for certain scouts who are more a Burks guy or more a Wilson guy, right? I don't necessarily see Traylon Burks as a guy who will look good next to Drake London. I think that Drake London just does so many things well. And so for a bigger guy, I think I think that Burks has a lot of physical tools. I think Drake London is a more refined player. So I think at a combine setting where it's more about technique, more about showing what you can do on the field, Drake London would look better than Traylon Burks. I I don't know, man. Like, will it hurt him? It it, it depends. It, it depends on how close they have Wilson, Burks, Olave. If Olave goes out there and runs 4-3, if Burks goes out there and runs 4-4, if Wilson goes out there, like just even though we know that speed at the wide receiver position is a little is a lot overrated when it comes to fantasy production, a lot like it really does not matter at all, like 0%, um maybe 1% or 2%, but it does it's not a ton of weight with wide receiver speed. We know the NFL gets a nut off of fast wide receivers. That that is Every year, fast, athletic, they love him. You get him in my offense, it can play. You know, I, I can turn him into the next Tyreek Hill. We know that's going to happen. I, I don't know, man. Ultimately, I still think he's going to be one of the first wide receivers off the board. Like, you don't do what he did this year. You don't do what he did in six games in 2020. And then you don't do what he did in 2019, sharing the field with NFL talent and, and fall far. Like, I, I, I would bet money there's no way None, unless his medicals come back and the ankle is mangled and not healing right. It's going to be a top 32 pick. And and I, I believe top 20 is his floor. Like, I don't believe he falls outside of top 20. I think he's got a... I think the probability of Drake London being drafted higher than Traylon Burks is greater than 51%. Like, as much as we love Traylon Burks... just about to Burks, say that. As much as we love Traylon, I would say if you had to say, Ray, which wide receiver gets drafted first in the NFL draft... Traylon Burks or Drake London, there's more that you've seen. And let's just be real. Let's be real. I've seen more from a wide receiver skill standpoint, winning in all three quadrants of the field, releases off the line of scrimmage, understanding of man and zone coverage, producing with other NFL talent on your field. 
I've seen more from Drake London in that category than I have Traylon Burks. Now, Traylon Burks' yep. unique combination of size and athletic just gifts are tantalizing. You can't deny that. But if you're just talking about these two playing wide receiver, I've seen more from Drake London than I have Traylon Burks. I've seen more from Garrett Wilson playing the wide receiver position than I have uh, Traylon Burks. I'm just I'm just putting that out. I'm not saying he's better, but I, I go back to the point that I think there's a higher probability that Drake London is drafted ahead of Traylon Burks with a broken ankle, with probably not participating at the combine, yep. than Traylon Burks, man. Okay, so I just want to give a few quick stats for the people that we didn't get to. As far as PFF grades, Drake London was the fourth highest graded wide receiver in all of college football. He was the fifth highest wide receiver in yards per route run. Like you mentioned, he was the leader in contested catches, even though he only played a game. That's not per game. He actually led contested catches, period, and converted 68% of those of those targets. And he was sixth in FBS in forced missed tackles, tied with Wondell Robinson, only David Bell and Sky Moore in this draft class Say were that higher again. than Drake London. Say that again. Say that again. Missed tackle rate, right? So we're talking about Yak. What you missed do with tackles the ball forced. in your hands. To- Go ahead. Yeah, total missed tackles forced. He had 22 Tied for sixth in all of college football, and he was tied with Wondell Robinson, and and only David Bell and Sky Moore had more force missed tackles than Drake London. Not Traylon Burks, not Garrett Wilson, not Jackson with Jigma, not Chris Olave, not any of these guys that you view as tackle breakers. Drake London, sixth highest in all of college football, and only David Bell and Sky Moore had more than him in this draft class. I mean, there it is, man. So when you're talking about a wide receiver that can can win over the top a wide receiver that can moss a cornerback when given the opportunity and I I don't know why people view that as like a negative because when when Joe Burrow's throwing it up and T Higgins just jumping over people and pulling out like I want that I need that right but not only can Drake London do that he was top six in college football enforcing missed tackles after the catch that stuff that you think of Rondell Moore a LaVisca Chenault these Wandell Robinson, Sky Moore, these players who are half the size of Drake London, right? Literally, Literally half the size of Drake London. You expect that from those guys that are 5'8", 5'9", 5'10", right? 185 pounds, 190 pounds. You don't expect it from 6'4", 210. But there goes the data. You know, 22 of those, 6th in FBS. I'm, I'm just, yeah, David Bell was up there too. We'll talk about David Bell soon. Um, <laughs> he's just... All I'm saying is go to YouTube, watch the highlights for the ceiling, right? Watch the highlights and you will see the the spectacular catches, right? Just the the moss ability, uh, the downfield ability that he has. But turn on the tape and look at what he did in all three quadrants of the field. Go back and look at his high school profile, right? Four-star recruit, basketball background, uh, production with multiple NFL wide receiver talent on the field. I think Drake London is an alpha. He's an X. And I love Elijah Moore, but if he goes to the Jets, Elijah Moore will be the number two on that team. And I love Elijah Moore. If Drake London is drafted number 10 by the Jets, he will be the alpha on that team sooner rather than later. And that doesn't mean that Elijah Moore is relegated to dust. We have seen... NFL teams need multiple wide receivers. You need uh, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. You need uh, Amari Cooper and a C.D. Lamb, a Cooper Cup and an Odell Beckham Jr. You need two guys, right? 
But if Drake London goes to the Jets, he will be the guy, not the the next guy. He will be the number one alpha target on that team. And I think it would actually help Elijah Moore. It would be a stock up for Zach Wilson, one of my highest graded players, 100% going to play the X in the NFL with the positional versatility to kick down in the slot to create mismatches. Fantastic wide receiver prospect. Drake London, thank you for that. Uh, thank you for that, Jay. Um, no anything problem. else before we get out of here? I mean, shit. It's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Good yeah. player. Good Presented player. by Prospects. Come on, man. Yeah, and, and I know the promo code. I know a lot of people are gonna have questions, and we'll dive into that tomorrow. So make sure, make sure, go to the Twitter channel, ask your questions, ask them in the YouTube comments, and we're gonna do something really cool this Thursday, right? So Jay, this Thursday we're gonna do a dynasty startup, right? Ten round dynasty yes. start. Oh, yeah. We've done a lot of rookie mocks, but we we are almost done with a uh, a, a destination Devi team dynasty startup and we're going to look at uh, where where these players are going everybody talks all that shit about the rookies and all this stuff about the running backs dynasty startup mock uh super flex 10 rounds we're going to go through the teams i have absolutely crushed it out of the 112 spot like absolutely crushed it when y'all see my roster you'll be like that's why gq is the man dope roster probably the best roster um in that mock drafting out of the 12 hole but we'll do that thursday Q and A tomorrow. Shout out to Prospects. Yep. Uh, we'll have some picks on uh, on Thursday for the NBA. Just we're just building the bankroll. We're gonna build a bankroll together. That way, when college rolls around, yes, we will win a lot of money. College and NFL is going down, baby. I'm telling you. But we're building the bankroll. Jay gave me some hockey picks last night. They did not come to fruition. We are gonna leave that alone. Oh, they were close. And we're gonna focus on. They were we're close. Focus on. We're gonna focus on the NBA building that bankroll. But go back. Check out Drake London for real. Go back, watch the highlights, tap into the data, go back, review some of the game film that I showed, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow to do Q&A, and then Thursday, Dynasty Mock Draft, promo code WAKEUPPRICEPICKS. We appreciate y'all. We out of this thing. Peace.